Howdy, y'all. You're tuned in to the You Hang Roundup podcast with your host. Oh, Ashlyn Bishop. I can't, I'm not, I and, can't even play along with that. And Daniel Ettinger. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. You know, Bishop says I do it different every time, so we're going to keep it consistent or inconsistent. <laughs> You're listening to episode 150. Peep that. 150? 150? You should celebrate wow. that. But we should have some Bacardi 151. Oh man, that would be mm. for next episode, though. Yes, we will need that for next episode, won't we? Yeah, except I won't drink it. I'll just pour it. Uh, that's fine, though. That's absolutely <laughs> fine. Welcome. Uh, if you're listening on your phone, if you're listening on your computer, if you're just listening through the waves of the world, I don't know how she would listen other than a phone and a computer. Do you? Can you listen any other way? Are you? Am I stumping you? No, I had to shut the door because it opened. <laughs> oh, the, was the, the cat in or out this time? Uh, the, the cat was already out, but the air pressure from the furnace starting up pushed the door open. Mm. So you have a ghost. You have a ghost. Yeah. Well, this is going to be a great episode. In a, in a few minutes, we're going to get to our guest, and you're not going to want to miss this. I mean, I, I'm really excited to it if you've ever had a, a extreme or very serious dog bite at weather. And we've talked a, a little bit uh, in a few episodes ago with Jim Crosby about fatal dog bites. We've talked to Kevin Hurst about fatal dog bites and our guest here in a little bit will talk to us as well about that. So we're really, you know, not excited necessarily about that, about like the, the act, but excited to learn more and maybe ways to prevent them by doing our job a specific way. So, and I know you had something to open up with as well about a fatal, fatal dog bite Bishop. Well, a suspected fatal dog bite. All right, let's hear. Um, so in Wood Heights, Missouri, they were doing an investigation because an Amazon driver's body was found in somebody's yard um, and the, <laughs> I, I, I'm baffled by this one. So sheriff's department goes in to try to render aid to the guy and all of a sudden they get charged at by two dogs. Um, first and foremost, uh, when I saw this article, I found it incredibly interesting. Uh, breeds of the dogs were not listed. In later articles, it was determined may have been a shepherd and possibly mastiff mix. Okay. And then, um, because they were charged at by the dogs and unknowing what happened, they shot at the dogs. One of the dogs was injured. The dogs proceeded to run into the house and stay there. And because the sheriff, when he got on scene, had seen that there was blood on the doggy door. Now, my question, well, hold on. Let's get through the whole story and then yeah, we can yeah, talk yeah, about questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, blood on the doggy door goes into the house and fatally shoots both dogs. So wait, he illegally went into the house? <laughs> I don't know that that was not clarified as far as um, whether he had the legal rights to go into the house at the time, Mm. Um, Mm. whether the owner was home or not. Uh, That's a little suspect. Oh, the whole thing is suspect. 
In, in my opinion, yes, the the Amazon driver has injuries that may or may not be consistent with a dog bite. They didn't even get the guy off for an autopsy. Wow. Um, but he, and, and, and I quote from a news article from US Today, due to the nature of some of the injuries of the driver, we can't confirm if the dogs cause the driver's death. However, we wanted to be safe. And that's why he said he fatally shot both animals. But they were contained safely in a home. And you could just uh-huh. put, something, you could put something in front of the dog door so they don't get back out? Uh-huh. Hmm. I'm well, struggling with this one hardcore. There might be uh, some, some litigation coming down. There's something to monitor. You know, I'm really, really curious how that's going to play out. I think, you know, there's going to be different views from different people and even our listeners right like well oh, yeah so they at this at this stage they still don't know if the dogs killed this person i have not seen any articles otherwise um okay. well maybe our guest when we get her on here in a second she might have some backstory too i know this is something that she does on a daily basis and she is the founder of dogsbite.org oh. uh, colleen colleen thanks just... for joining us what happened I just found in the article that the homeowners were out of town. They were out of town. Okay. Good. good, At the time of the attack, the homeowners were out of town. Sorry. No, you're fine. Colleen, (laughs) Colleen, welcome to the Humane Roundup podcast. Thanks for joining us. Again, Colleen's the founder of dogsbite.org. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We're excited Uh, to have you. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, this Amazon case, yes. Uh, What I gleaned from that sheriff, he was trying to say that he had the right to do it uh, to keep the scene safe. Now, again, he walked into the house. So we're waiting on that. Don't know. And this is rural uh, Missouri. We've seen some really strange things (laughs) from corners. Um, There was a corner not you know, some years ago, who thought it was a, a big cat that killed someone. And those are very rare things. And I, he stayed with that for, you know, a year. And finally, you know, admitted, well, it was a dog, Molly. It's fatal dog, Molly. So we see weird things coming out of uh, Missouri. Yeah, there's and, a case uh, out of LaGrange, Missouri. Or if you're French, La Jongre, or however they would say it. But <laughs> the, this was back in early 2000s where, you know, there's a dog contained on a catch pole. And one of the deputies just exterminates it i don't know what other word to use but he he shot it in a way that was um unnecessary so weird things happen in missouri yeah yeah and they did uh there was a there was an autopsy uh, there's a preliminary report and then i think well they're they're sending it to talk so that's like 16 weeks something like that but i i have a feeling that amazon might be playing into that too because usually they come out with a preliminary uh finding uh, and so we're not even going to get that in this case. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Is it likely that maybe the dogs did considering, you know, he was found in the fenced in yard with injuries and the dogs are there and have access to go in and out of the house freely. Absolutely. But to go into somebody's house shoot their animals without why why not just call in somebody get a trank gun if need be 
Not even that. Look, I'm going to stop you really quick. Hold on. You said the yard was fenced in, so there's no issue of public safety. Mm -mm. So I get it. It's a crime scene and you have to preserve evidence, but you could also just close the fence and wait for like the dogs aren't going to continue to attack a dead body. That's not necessarily how they work. They're not wild animals. Right. So you could have called somebody and said, Hey, uh, we need someone with experience to come round up these dogs and not to say that they shouldn't be euthanized if they did kill this person, but you also don't want to violate somebody's privacy by just going into their house and then shooting dogs inside there. Like that to me seems like a lawsuit waiting to happen. I'd be happy to sue somebody if they just walk in my house and shoot my dog, even if it killed somebody. That's not like, it's just not how the, how our justice system works. Yeah. I don't know. This was crazy. But. Well, Colleen, thanks for joining us. Tell, <laughs> our, tell our listeners, I really want our listeners to okay. know and have a understanding of what dogsbite.org is mm-hmm. uh, and, and kind of how it got started, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, right. So uh, dogsbite.org has uh, a number of different sections, different resources, It's sort of a uh, little bit of a library for uh, someone who's been attacked by a dog. Uh, you can look at, there's obviously legislation you can look at. There are dog attack victim stories. Uh, there's vicious dog hearing uh, videos. I think uh, certainly in the 15 years that I've been doing this, um, some of those hearing I, I, victims have no idea how they work. And so that was a really important section to build out. Uh, and then, of course, we have uh, a, a study index. So we have many different types of studies available, whether they be about injury or dog ownership, uh, shelter dogs, behavior, uh, aggression, things like that. So we try to keep that up. But basically trying to pull everything together uh, so that it can be in one place for people who uh, have been attacked by dogs, uh, attorneys, um, uh, things of that nature. Uh, So that's what the site is. And we, you know, have sort of evolved in uh, over 15 years. Um, What you don't see is that we're always behind the scenes working with victims, so we can't talk about their cases because they're, you know, possibly going to file a lawsuit, uh, things like that. So there's always a lot of behind the scenes work that we're doing uh, individually with victims that we that we can't talk about, um, and that's that's a chunk of work. And we will do uh, when cases are bad enough, when you know families like they really don't have any support, we will uh, write the FOIAs for them. Uh, they, you know, it's one of those things where if it doesn't happen to you, you would never know. You mean, you're not, you're going to give me my, my bite report? No. Um, <laughs> so we definitely, uh, we've written FOIAs for a number of states, not all 50 because there's Alaska and Hawaii, things like that, but a lot of states. And, uh, and so those are ways that we can, uh, interact to, you know, if I'm in Texas, how do I help someone in New Jersey? Right. I can't fly up there. Okay. So, so we look for ways that we can help them through, uh, you know, gaining access to the records or, you know, uh, recommending a city council or, you know, person they can talk to if they are trying to address the problem and fix the problem type of thing. How did you like, how did this come about? What made Colleen say, you know what, I am going to create a page, create resources for people that are, have been affected by dog bites. Yes. Well, I was jogging uh, at that time. I lived in Seattle. Uh, and so I was attacked. Uh, that dog was not being, uh, walked by its owner. It was uh, a neighbor. Um, I don't know how well she knew it anyways. Uh, it was, 
a difficult, awful attack. It jumps on my, you know, uh, chest, fell back down to the cement, and you know, basically bit as close as he could, and I managed to put, you know, my forearm in front of my face. So that's always, you know, if, if, you know, you think back, if I hadn't done that, well, you don't think about doing that. Your body just does it. That's a natural, mm. uh, natural thing to put your, so, so I, you know, I'm, I'm like, wow, you know, uh, and I, <laughs> so I was in tech and I'm still in tech. Um, and I'd done, you know, multiple websites. Uh, the, the, the web back then was a different place in 2007, right? Not many, not many people could build websites, but I was one of them that could, right? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, there was no, you know, uh, you know, WordPress or easy, you know, Facebook page you could make. So I started looking into uh, why aren't there any resources, uh, what's going on here? Now, it was a pit bull involved in, uh, that, that attacked me. And so I was looking for some of those resources. And at that time, uh, I found sort of San Francisco had uh, been through a legislative process. I think it was 05 um, because there was a, a fatal attack there, a little boy. And they passed some legislation of mandatory spay-neuter. They thought that that was a good in-between um, as opposed to, say, a ban that was that had been going on in Denver. And so I started looking at, at that, uh, San Francisco, and also Denver, because Denver had uh, a lot of historical information online. So that was part of the problem, too, is understanding this issue and having it written really well. Um, and so that sort of got me interested. And uh, I wrote a white paper for Seattle. It's about 20 pages that uh, addressed issues uh, around legislation and, you know, the pit bull bite statistics in our city. And of course, you know, city council did not want to hear that. Uh, so I, instead of throwing this paper away, it became the basis, the foundation for the website. I, I basically put the paper online. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, you know, I worked for Denver for 10 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, if you want to get into that, we can talk a little bit on this yeah. episode or you can come back because yeah. <laughs> um, I have a lot to say about that. And they still have breed specific legislation. It's just modified. So yeah. the idea that they got rid of it is, is not true. It's there. It's just modified. But the, uh, yeah, we'll say, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole because once I start talking about that, it'll be <laughs> three hours later, I'll be missing football. We don't need that. <laughs> So how many people do you think, do you have a way of recording how many people utilize the website or how many contacts with people do you have a year? Well, I mean, generally, uh, you know, Google Analytics will tell me what the traffic is. Um, everything got a little haywire with COVID. Hmm, um, fair. <laughs> yeah, really haywire. And, you know, in fact, you know, I'm calling three years of uh fatality statistics, you know, just the COVID years, because they're that different. And, you know, we rely on media reports. So when there are none, because they're writing about COVID, or they're getting fired, and laid off, you know, thousands and thousands of, you know, media people were laid off at that time. Uh, and then, of course, all these behavior changes, you know, sheltering in place. Uh, so I need to spend some time looking at, so 2020, 2021, and 2022. Um, you know, I haven't looked at site traffic in a while. I mean, it's significant, you know, uh, on a monthly basis. And you're going to see peaks occurring when there are big uh, attacks that occur. 
Uh, so that's sort of, you know, we sort of have a, you know, a modest and then giant peaks will occur when there is a very serious attack somewhere in the country and, and people are online looking at this issue. You, you went into some stats through email and I want to get into those. Okay. I think that's really important for us to discuss and maybe if there's a why behind some of that. So I'm going to start with the trends that you f- found on fatal dogs attacks. So it sounds like women are typically the, uh, give me, give me some info. They're typically the victim No, more likely to be the victim. That's just it. So whether it's a fatal or serious injury or just a bite, it's it's always a predominance of males. The only time that's not true is like over the age of 70 because women live longer. So, you know, you might be saying, well, why is this important? It's women. Well, it's because it's marking a, a real change, uh, and, uh, how we're, you know, Patterns of dog ownership, uh, things of that nature. So, for instance, so we're going to look at, I'm going to talk about data before COVID, so 05 to 2019, um, so a 15-year period. And what we've seen is that, you know, the largest and fastest rising age group is 30 to 49-year-old women. Uh, and then there's been significant gains in 50 to 69, too. So, I mean, we're seeing a doubling of those numbers. I mean, mm. today, it, 25% of all dog attack, fatal dog attack victims are women 30 to 69. Now, I mean, 10 years ago, it was like 8%. So that's mm. fairly significant. Now, men, no change. What are men at? 13%, right? Okay. So there's no change, uh, you know, and if we did get pit bull specific, it would almost be exactly the same. So okay. we'd see uh, a real upshot in 369 females and then no change in the male group at all. So this is interesting because we don't really have um, any recent U.S. studies, but I know like in the past uh, yeah, six months, a study in the U.K. came out uh, that basically said uh, they've seen uh, the overall rise in hospital mission for dog bites is driven by adults. So like a tripling of incidents by adults. And then they said this thing. So from these data, it's unclear what is driving this increase in adults being bitten by dogs and why the only adult group showing an increase in admission rate is 35 to 64 year old females. <laughs> so, so it's not just, you know, let me just say, so when you see a trend in failed dog mollings, which again, so 30 to 50 a year, the trends move really, really slowly, right? Um, but, and, and if you do see a trend, like we saw a trend in 2012, we started to see more rescue dogs involved, right? Um, but when you do see a trend, it, it means in, in this area, that's, that's just this you know, really tiny little area um, uh, of serious injuries, then it's, it's happening broadly too, right? So when it does finally appear in fatal attacks, it means that there's, you know, it's been going on for a long time, the general population, whereas, you know, it'd be hospital admissions, so forth and so on. So I thought that that was really interesting. And I, you know, I don't know what, the UK could only speculate. Um, we know there's more dogs. Uh, I definitely know that there's more multi-dog households, uh, but, but why it would be, Women, I don't know. I, it may be just just a number of you know fifteen factors all added up, right? Um, and a couple more things. So I did look at the number of dogs. So we've got fatal maulings uh, with two dogs um, doubled uh, over those you know, two five year periods. 
uh, in this 36 to 9 female age group. We've got fatal duck texts involving three dogs with six times higher in the most recent five-year period. And then we've got, uh, this is so sad, the family dogs killing in the 36 to 9-year-old female age group tripled. Hmm. And the owner-directed attacks at this female group tripled between the two periods. So that's number of dogs and sort of, you know, the majority are family dogs. These are not, you know, uh, you know, 15 years ago, you would say a 45-year-old woman walking down a country road and all of a sudden, she, you know, there's, it's an off-property attack involving loose dogs. And that's just not I know we have more, more stats to get into, but before we do that, I'm going to, I'm going to just bring up the elephant in the room. Go ahead. <clears throat> so what I think we're seeing, and this is just my uneducated guess, is there's a movement, this movement of no kill, right? This movement to have this live release rate above 90, this movement to place dogs, whether they have behavioral issues or not, I think is a reflection or what you're saying is a reflection of that. And so not all dogs that have been involved in these attacks or maulings have been adopted from shelters, but I'm sure if you looked at some of the numbers, there's quite a few. And so what's your take on that, Colleen? Well, first off, and I, you know, it's not always known where these dogs come from. We like to try to find that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes that information gets in a media report, sometimes it doesn't. So we have to assume that if it's only, say, 12, 15% of, of dogs uh, that are involved in these attacks now that we know are coming from shelters, I think the number, we got to assume it's a little bit higher than that because we just don't know. Um, and, and we can't, you know, if it was rehomed three times, you know, and given to her, you know, uh, six weeks ago, these are just details that very rarely are going to be in media reports. Um, but along your lines of thinking, uh, the other trend we're seeing in uh, the female 3069 is that the women have been attacked and seriously injured at least one time before the fatal mauling. And then they are not putting the dogs down after the first mm. or even second attack. So <laughs> that is clearly, and that is like 61% of these attacks with, with multiple attacks were in that 30 to 69 year old age group of, wow. of just women. So, I mean, that is clearly, uh, you know, impacting, you know, when it, basically what you just said, uh, I think it's gotta be there because, you know, they're, they're, they're saying it's not the dog's fault. Didn't want to put the dog down. Can't put the dog down, you know? So all that's oh, being reflected. They absolutely Leading can. heart society. Yeah. Yeah. Is in the statistic of um, the women being attacked m- multiple times, mm-hmm. does that specifically include multiple times by the same dog? Or yes. could it be? Okay. Yes. Wow. It, it's about the same dog. So uh, I think there was, usually these are single dogs. I think there was one that was a pair. Um, but yeah, it's, that's, that's the thing is that, you know, it after the attack, the dog continues to be in the household with them. Um, you know, the, probably the worst case uh, was there were two attacks on a woman in, in like a two and a half month period. Both of the attacks targeted her head. Uh, this, the second attack, the dog ripped off one of her ears. And after the second attack, I mean, 
I'm going through all the shelter records and you know, you know, animal control is saying, are you, are you really sure it's a good idea to, you know, to take this dog? You know, maybe it's, maybe it's not a good idea for the dog or you. Right? <laughs> and no, no, wait, the family got to have animal, the dog back. Animal control wanted to take the dog away and they wouldn't let, and they, they just couldn't do it. Is that what you're saying? Right. So, uh, when, it, it came time after the ear amputation attack, the second attack, sure. to uh, you know either put the dog down or you know what the, is the next stage with the dog. The the woman and her two two daughters were just contacting animal control over and over again. We want the dog Got back. It. We want the dog back. So here's here's an interesting concept that I I'd be interested to know if there is any correlation here to. Um, the dog attacks and the link with domestic violence. Yeah. That's definitely Be- something we're looking at. Yeah. So because- I'm also um, in the process of working on a project uh, with that as well, with one of our guests we've had on in the past. I, I think there's a huge correlation. As a matter of fact, uh, intermediate studies show that there is uh, a good percentage that homes that have prior domestic violence incidents also have, a dog bites or dog attack incidents because mm-hmm. it, it changes the bite inhibition, right? Or at least you yep. would think so. Well, and you're also looking at the fact of, you know, is the dog potentially trying to protect break up, one yeah. of, break it up, protect mm-hmm. somebody and how hard is it for them to turn and redirect their bite to the wrong person? Um, so it, that, that would be a study that would really interest me. It would be. Uh, same here, because I mean, we got onto this track at all because uh, we started, you know, back in 2018 with a, a very severe domestic violence case. And uh, it was so severe. And she was also not only beaten many times, but uh, she was one of the people that, one of the women that landed in the hospital due to uh, very serious dog bite injuries. Uh, and then the dog, you know, eventually killed her a few months later. Mm. So that's where it started. And then, of course, you know, I'm sort of talking to the mother. And, you know, it's that point where, you know, she keeps going back, keeps going back, keeps going back. And, and people be- begin to lose interest, right? Like, I, I can't help you this time because you're just going to go back to him, right? Mm-hmm. So so I learned maybe more than I wanted to about that topic. But it but it is. And, th- and then when you begin to look for it, you see it over. I, no. I see it over and over again now. Yeah. So, and that gave rise to probably, I think also I I mentioned that email, uh, developing a new category, tracking category, which we sort of, I loosely call deviant habitual behaviors. And it comes from the uh, Barnes and Boat uh, ownership of high-risk dogs as a marker for deviant behaviors. I think it's a 2006 study. Okay. So we started looking at at those items. So had there been uh, repeated animal control violations, aggressive crimes, drugs, alcohol, domestic violence, uh, numerous excessive speeding tickets, or if uh, argument disturbance preceded a fatal attack. Now, this is a broad category, but I just really wanted to begin looking at it because, as you say, I mean, I think that there's going to you know, there's going to be some good research in this area, and we're going to see. Uh, fatal dog maulings. These are we're seeing this thirty-four to forty-five percent, and this is this is national. So, like, I have to go into databases, uh, court, you know, states that offer online criminal court information. Not all states do that, right? I know that's so, another issue. Okay, yeah. so so 
I, but I'm still at 34 to 44%. Mm. Okay. Now, and uh, those are largely coming from the South because I think there's just fewer privacy restrictions in the South. And also like your Iowa's, Missouri, some of the Midwest, uh, they have pretty good, uh, you know, uh, online, you know, court databases. But yeah, so if, if, if that's the case, and, uh, and there's many states I can't even look at, I, you know, I, I, you know, gosh. And, and the other thing is that, again, I wanted the broad category because what I see over and over again, is not just the dog owner, it's the victim and, and potentially, you know, a key household member, right? So I wanted to look at all of them. And I mean, you know, if someone were researching this, you know, you probably want to, you know, only look at dog owners or maybe only look at victims, but I wanted to look at both. And, you know, there's oftentimes these victims are already highly disadvantaged. Uh, we're seeing that, you know, in this rise of homelessness and so forth. Like if they're out walking on a country road at midnight and, you know, they're killed by a pack of dogs, I mean, she didn't have any other place to go anyways, right? She didn't have a home. And so, we see that. We see uh, several cases where the woman left a domestic violence situation, got herself a dog, and these typically like a, some type of pit bull, and then she went to a new house and the dog killed someone in the new house. Mm. I mean, like, it's like literally leaving one environment of violence going into another and not, you know, expecting it to occur in the next one. Uh, so, So there's just a lot of disadvantaged and sort of, uh, you know, stacking higher risk dogs onto an already difficult disadvantaged situation. Uh, we see that time and time again, whether it be the dog owner or the victim. And that's, that's something that really needs to be researched in our minds. Can, can we talk? Okay. It's time. I think it's time to talk about yeah. what is the answer? How do we, cause in my, and I'm, I'm talking boots on the ground, firsthand experience, yeah. breed specific legislation does not work, period. And if you have a differing view, I'd love to hear it. But I can tell you from somebody that had to enforce it, it doesn't work. So what works? Well, I mean, there's all sorts of different forms of breed specific laws. It doesn't, it doesn't work. Colleen, it can't work. If you think about it, I want you to look at it in this perspective. Okay. Now, again, I'm keeping it from... Sure first-hand experience. If I take your pit bull away and give you a ticket, guess what you're going to go do? Go buy another fucking pit bull. They don't care. They're disposable dogs. If we're, if that's the, if that's the concept or the idea, it doesn't matter. If I want to have a big, strong, angry dog, if you take four away, I'm going to get five more and I've seen it. And so like, it doesn't work. So what, what works? Well, I mean, we're looking at, first off, we're looking at uh, uh, the mandatory bite disclosure laws as a state level law. We've got California, Virginia that have done that. Uh, we know that the two-tiered, uh, when you have the dangerous dog designation and also the lower level potentially dangerous dog designation, uh, I think those are typically more on the West Coast, but I don't know for sure. They certainly were in Washington State, where I'm from, and in California. Uh, so those are, uh, you know, sort of the basic things. Um, and as far as, you know, breach of civil laws not working, I mean, there are, uh, you know, there are two uh, peer-reviewed studies. They are not in the U.S. Uh, one is in Spain and the other is in Canada, um, where there is a lowering of hospitalizations. And I think the uh, 
the Caledonia, the Spain one, Spanish one is interesting because, and that's a different culture, right? But what they did, they took a number of fighting breeds and just put some extra restrictions on them. Sort of like how we have to take a driver's license test here. Those owners had to sort of go through, there was some type of test they had to do and some type of licensing requirement. And it just turned out that people weren't that interested. They, the interest in owning these dogs lowered. Okay. I, I don't know that that could happen in the U.S. As you say, you know, take my four, I'm going to get five. I mean, we're a very different type of country and we want our dogs, we want our guns, you know, <laughs> you know we don't want to wear a mask. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult, you know, without any research into that, into this area in our country, it's, it's sort of difficult to say. But I, but I hear you and that enforcement of particularly a, a ban uh, would be tough. And, and that uh, some of these owners just do not care. Um, but, you know, it's sort of in, in general with public health, you know, uh, many people, you know, flaunt the laws. Uh, however, there's still a reduction in injury when they're on the books. So that's sort of our perspective on it. And not a silver bullet, not perfect. Uh, but Denver didn't have any fatal attacks, right? They did in eighty seven, a right, year or two not, before. Right, but not not during the ban. Yeah, but I mean, has Miami had any fatal attacks during their ban? Oh, they have, but I mean, those are like they're, every 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 dog in Miami is an American bulldog. <laughs> well, and I I, mean, I know specific- there, to, to just put it out there, I don't have a ban, and I also don't have any fatal attacks. Okay, I would. But I, I also want to go back to like how it's pro- – like I can tell you specifically, again, working in Denver and knowing firsthand, but also knowing people in Dade County, my like that that area, they don't enforce it either. Like they might have it on the books, but they're like it's unenforceable. You can't – like you don't have enough officers in a department to make it work. Like there are way more mm, – priority type of things that are going on than trying to round up people's pit bulls. Right. And so well, what right. I think, what I think works, what I think works, Colleen, is you have laws in place to protect people from any dog that shows any propensity of aggression that may cause injury to a human or an animal. I mean, those, I, I we try to collect the best laws. Uh, they're not always breed specific, uh, but I, I, you know, we look at, uh, you know, Ken Phillips has uh, a model law. Uh, so we look at that and I, you know, I mean, if you've got some examples, that would be great. Um, and as far as, you know, the unenforceability or, you know, what they're doing down in Dade, it's still a tool, right? If, if law enforcement, uh, police have to go in and they can confiscate, and there's also drugs there. You know, the the UK is always dealing with this issue too because they've got the ban, and so it's been interesting. Uh, there's been a couple of different times in the past couple of years when uh, I've been able to listen to how their police force talks about the ban, and it's basically that that it's still a tool. It isn't that you know they're going around uh, taking everybody's pit bull, but they. It can, it's a tool to allow them to investigate uh, something that may be going on in a house or uh, uh, it's basically a law enforcement tool. And so it isn't 
what so any it, average person would think about. We're picking up all the these pimples. Right, but is it the same as stop and frisk? Well, that's not really what I was saying. I mean, what they were talking about in the UK, where these were these were like serious hoarding. Uh, they, yeah, they have a lot of civil rights over there too. Okay, so what they were talking about was using uh, the law as a tool uh, for an invest, you know, for animal crime investigations already, right? Um, and so that was sort of their logic. It wasn't about stopping people that had these dogs, something like that. I just don't think that we can characterize, and this is just my opinion. I don't think we can characterize something like a dog breed and say, well, you can't have that animal. It's illegal because of the way it looks, the way it's history is, you know, pit bull type dogs. And you know, this too. I mean, they were bred before they were highly used in fighting. I mean, they were in homes with kids. I mean, I know our co-host or our host, whatever we call you, Bishop, I'm sorry, has (laughs) a pit bull. Well, you're also the host, has a pit bull in her home with kids. And like, it comes back. I don't know. It's just such a difficult conversation. And I hate it from the aspect of like discrimination. And and that was my point of like bringing up the race issue is like, just because I don't know. It's so hard to discuss this, but like, just because somebody had been robbed by a white person, does that mean all white people are bad? So that's the problem that I have is just because these dogs statistically may cause more damage. doesn't mean they're all bad. Well, that's not what it, I mean, that's not what, what breed specific laws are designed to do. They're designed to stop, to prevent a first serious attack. Because of what you said, because we do have knowledge that the injuries are going to be more severe. So that's the other side of the coin, right? Preventing first attacks because we don't want the serious, serious damage of the first attack. Uh, because as you know, dog bite laws are set up to, you know, the first bite, you know, it, well, it can be free in some states. Um, and uh, so, so that's what they were originally designed to do back in the 80s. Now, no, they were they were designed to discriminate against people of color and gangbangers to be honest. Like that's that's how it was absolutely it rode in with that that culture and that aspect if you look at the timeline. It has nothing less nothing more. It was just another tool to oppress people. I guarantee you if you break it down in that aspect and you look at it, but the the funny thing about that is like the true dog fighters, the people that really made it popular and famous are them good old boys on the farms in middle America. Like that's a fact, but when it became popular in, in rap and gang culture is when you started seeing BSL. Well, yeah, I'd have to look at that, but I mean, obviously the first couple of years that I, you know, started this nonprofit was spent only reading books by dog fighters. Right. So understanding the dog fighting culture, um, understanding the 1980s and, uh, understanding when, you know, the breed's popularity rose uh, and, and looking at all kinds of uh, historical, you know, media articles back then during that during that time period. And that, yes, there were some terrible, terrible attacks, absolutely terribly. The public had seen something like that before. Uh, and yeah, people started asking questions. What, what can we do to legislate? Uh, so, you know, that's my experience is not that it was used racially at all that it was used to stop these t- attacks. That's definitely what all of my experience has, has, has told me over the years. 
I just think, and I'm not trying to be mean, Colleen. I'm really not. I think it's naive to look at it and not think that it had something to do with the rise of gangs and or drugs in this country. And it was just another tool to oppress. I, I, and I know there are some people that think like that. Some people at the HSUS, some people, I, I guarantee you there is some common, common thought amongst that. And so how many, uh, let's, let's switch it up. Cause I, we could talk about that for okay. hours. How many cities in this country still have BSL? Do you know, or roughly? Um, approximately. I'm not sure. Uh, I think the last count was like 900, but they're concentrated in the Midwest. So why is that? That's what I mean, I where all the dog fighters are. That. That's right. That's right. That's where I would all the. I venture to say it's higher than that. Higher than 900? Yeah. If we're talking U.S., because I actually, a couple of years ago, had been given a list um, for the state of, Wis- uh, state of Wisconsin that it was three pages long. Your state has a lot. Yeah. Different cities. Um, that I had no idea had it. Now, maybe 900 that enforce it. (laughs) Well, I mean, we do have a library, so we collect those ordinances. And I think the last one, I think it might've been up to a thousand, but, but you're right. I mean, in order for us to find a city, they have to have some online mechanism. Uh, their records already out there, right? So how many, there's many, many cities that, that don't put any ordinance information online. It's all you know, through the city clerk, so forth and so on. So, I mean, all that we could do is estimate. Uh, But it's certainly, you know, your state is also Midwest. Uh, You know, it's Iowa, Kansas, uh, Missouri, and uh, Wisconsin are definitely the highest density uh, of of BSL in the country, uh, Hmm. without a doubt. And a lot of those cities are small, right? Are those states red or blue? Do we know? Not to they get political. I'm just were, curious. We're blue. You are. You're okay. blue, but I think the other three states are red. Well, it's just an interesting concept. And 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 I wanna I just want to keep it moving in this aspect. Yeah. Okay. Is I don't think we can ultimately be a, a community of of like law enforcement where we just focus on what a breed looks like because we're not even sure if it's a pit bull type dog. It could be with, you know, with DNA, it could be like just a mastiff mixed with a boxer. I mean, but it has characteristics of a pit bull because it looks like it. So we don't know. I think truthfully, and, and our, I'd love our feedback from the listeners of the show, but I just think at the end of the day, if, if we have an established event of potential aggression, and that's what caused BSL in, in Colorado, allegedly, or Denver, I should say, is there was nothing done. There was nothing done to a case where a dog ended up, I think, fatally mauling a child. Yes. But prior to that, there was there was history, aggressive history from that dog. So my point is to the officers listening, do your job. There was a case recently out of Denver, and I'm going to talk about it. And this dog mauled somebody during it was the it was the owner. It mauled the owner during a DV situation and okay. everybody in the department was like, well, it's an affirmative defense, blah, blah. No, it's not. It, it, it would only have been an affirmative defense if it bit. So like an affirmative defense to a dog bite is the person that's attacking, attacking. Like, so let's say you're getting attacked by somebody and the dog bites the attacking person. 
Right. That's an affirmative defense. It's not an affirmative defense when the dog turns on its own owner and right. tears the shit up out of it. Right. And so for them to sit there and like, oh, oh, well, no, like let the damn court handle that. And then a few weeks later, guess what the dog did? Attacked him again. Yeah, absolutely. Causing, yeah. you know, injury. So it's like, yeah. that's, that's a fail from animal control. And we sometimes have to take our own thought process and emotion out of it and just look at the facts. What do the facts say? Send it over to the court and let them make the damn decision. It's not necessarily always our decision to make. So uh, I'll get off my soapbox. This is this show, this episode here, it's a tough one. It's because tough I, one. <laughs> it's there's a lot of whew, there's just a lot of, of stuff. And I know I've made comments on the show that that may be a little difficult to process for people, but that's just how my view is. And and I don't mean that in a way of like lessening somebody else's view of things, but I don't think we can fully look at an animal and say, well, just because you look this way, you're outlawed, you're banned. I think it has to come from a, a source of what can we do proactively that, and you may say BSL is proactive, but what can we do proactively that is going to make sure the community is safe? And so when you have these cases that are st- starting to show escalation, handle it the right way the first time. Yeah, in the best of all worlds, uh, that would be great. Okay, so we've got uh, breed-specific laws in 61 countries that we know about, okay? Um, some are, you know, national level, so the uh, banning the importation and so forth and so on, okay? So, I mean, we're not the, you know, cities aren't the, o- U.S. cities in the Midwest aren't the only places that have realized that, you know, there's a difference in dogs, okay? And there are fighting breeds. They're, they're typically always included. You're going to have your, your Dogo, uh, your, your Pitbull, um, your Pressa, and, uh, and in some places, a Rottweiler too. Um, and, you know, if you've got 61 jurisdictions in 61 countries doing that, they're, they're, they're struggling with a problem, right? Mm. Um, and, and, you know, they don't have, they're using broad tools because uh, that's what's available to them. Okay, a, d- a dangerous dog list, so forth and so on. Uh, so that's sort of like the municipal side of it um, that you know would take uh, someone, and, and you do have that experience, right? Uh, as well as you know, uh, you know, f- being on the front line. But but then that would have to be enforced too. What, what you're saying that that would you know require a level of enforcement, uh, a level of employees at work uh, that that might be unrealistic to the city as well. So. Mm. You know, it's it's not. You know, um, some cities will implement, uh, you know, say a ban, and you know they only have one AC officer. They're just trying to, you know. So it's uh, it's difficult, and and I'm not on the city side of things. I just know that that's definitely one thing I've heard, and that you know uh, they're doing the best they can, and and they feel like it's easier, it's easier for them to say ban. Uh, then then to it, take it on what you their, said. Yeah, it yeah. lowers their need for probable cause. I get this this the thought process about it. I just can't get past this, the the um, discrimination. That that's my biggest part. And and I mean, but that. how how is it? Are you saying that there's discrimination in sixty one countries? Yeah, why not? I'll say that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Why not? That's quite a few countries. Uh, yeah. all over the world. And there's discrimination. Do you know how many racists are in this country and other countries? I mean, it's probably more than 61%, right? So I, I know I shouldn't say that, but that's the reality is like, 
people discriminate like that's that's it's unfortunate but yeah it's uh it's rough it's a it's a rough topic it's a topic that i think needs further discussion i don't think one episode gives it justice no but i think in this aspect it's it's good it's good to talk about and i think i think it raises awareness and we we really appreciate your views your insight and i, I want people to go to your website dogsbite.org remember the dot org part dogsbite.org <laughs> check out what you check out what you got going on there uh, they can contact you through the website as well right colleen sure yeah yeah so if you have questions or want more in, information or data i think I, I i really do i've i've looked at your website i've actually pulled some data off of it for training purposes obviously I give you credit for that but like at the end of the day you do have some some great information and and i'm not saying that like those dogs don't bite and cause more damage. Before we go though, I'm curious, what dog is the most surprising dog that has ever caused a fatality? Like when you would, when through your research, you're just like, well, I never expected to see that. Gosh, that's a good question. Um, Pomeranian? Stop. Well, that was a case bef- before Wait, really? it started. Yeah. Pomeranian killed a six-week-old baby. Oh, right. Wow. So that's okay. a, that's an infant. So yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, I th- there's a lot of cases that have two dogs. So, uh, like say you know a Rottweiler and and a herding dog or something like that. So. It would be a rare dog, like like a dachshund. You can't. It would be a dog that you cannot exclude because it was also in the house, right? I see what you're saying. And, yeah. and so there, there, there are those danglers, as I call them. I don't. That's maybe the bad word, but, um, but as far as a full on single dog, you know, single dachshund or something like that, um, that's certainly not something that I see. Um, and again. The younger you know, the infants are just are really going to be just so fragile, you know. Yeah, I mean they're um, so a, small a to- and yeah. yeah, it's very. What different. about like a border collie or uh, like just something like that? Have we ever seen a fatality by like a poodle, like a standard poodle? No, and I mean I think there's a border that has been involved. Uh, like you know there was two or three pitbulls and a border collie, so it's it's a pack, right? Um, so they have been part of a few pack attacks, uh, but again, not a one-on-one that just, you know, shocked people like I, you know, and even when there was a great Dane attack, um, she had rescued two of them. This was like two years ago. And like the public hadn't heard about a great Dane being involved in a fatal attack in like 20 years. I mean, if you look at the old CDC study, yeah, they were, uh, they're up there, you know, um, but it just like, oh, no, no, it's never happened to a great day. And, and um, so, I mean, attitudes change about dogs too, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the great Dane was always a little bit surprising. Um, but that was a terrible case too. I mean, she was, it was, it, it, yeah, lots of problems in that household, let's put it that way. <laughs> it, it's funny that you say that the attitudes changed about the dogs because I feel like because attitudes change about dogs and it comes into society based on the movies and the shows that we've got going Mm -hmm. Um, we see an increase in breeding of specific breeds 
but with that comes irresponsible breeding. Yes. And I think that's personally where we get a lot of the behavioral issues because we are no longer breeding the good, healthy, well-behaved, well-mannered dogs together. We're just, you know what? You've got a male, I got a female. Let's, you know, let's get some puppies and make some money. Um, and I think that's where a lot of it comes in as well. Look at, look at the, um, Dalmatians, you know, they used to be a fairly decent family dog. Um, and then we had 101 Dalmatians. Now we've got a lot of health conditions and numerous people over the years have said, you know, I wouldn't have a Dalmatian in my house anymore. You know? They get snippy, they get aggressive, and it came from overbreeding. Well, right. That's probably the the most well-known example. Uh, I know that there's been uh, shepherds and uh, different movies, right? Um, and so, and so yeah, that, that's a, a, well, Game of Thrones, right? So we, you know, started seeing huskies, you know, uh, you know, in shelters piling up, you know, their, their population numbers rising. Um and, you know, maybe Husky isn't for everybody, okay? Um, <laughs> no. They, they, they need some extra, you know, <laughs> just like, I just want, I want, I want a dog like on Game of Thrones. Um, and I, you know, I think the makers of that show would come out and say, please don't, you know, please don't buy a Husky. It's like, well, you know, you've got this whole show <laughs> that these are, I mean, you know, you've created, it's, it's going to be popular. You, you can't get away from that. So you can't sort of say two things. Just, just don't, you know, make the dog less important in it. Right. Or something like that, yeah. you know? <laughs> well, I'm hoping that we aren't going to see a Malinois. Oh yes, we are. From we are. We are. Uh, what if, I, hey, I what, what if, what if there was a Malinois pit bull chihuahua mix? Ooh. Ooh, that's awful. It, it does sound really awful. Yeah. All right. I mean, on that yeah. note, on that yeah, note, yeah, Col- yeah, yeah. Colleen, is there anything? Okay. Is there anything that we should cover before we go? Is there anything you wanted to make sure our listeners heard? Right. I think what you just mentioned, and that I had sort of you know, what sort of what we're watching out for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at the retired uh, police canines, so they are trained in bite work and apprehension. And, and how those are in communities after they've retired. We're looking at Belgian Malinois in general, okay? We've got them really moving up in the bites. alligators? Yep, in bite stats. Uh, and, I, you know, I know just as a person, I exercise a lot. I, I just see them over. More and more normal pet owners are getting them. And, you know, that's yeah, another topic. But, you know, uh, I think we're going to see a lot more Belgian Malinois uh, in uh, homes that are not, you know, uh, the average pet homes. Um, and then not we've prepared. got, yeah, not prepared. We've got a, 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 a definitely a rising cute. doggo Argentino uh, population that okay. is uh, so, really coming along. Yeah. So the, the okay, r- really quick. The, the, the Cane Corso has one of the strongest bites per square inch, right? The, and I, I know we should stop the episode, but I just keep going. Okay. The um, Kangol has probably the strongest bite per square inch. Like, are, do we see anything from those? Has, have Conde Corsos been involved in fatal Cane dog? Corsos? What did you uh, call them? Time out. Cane Corsos. No, 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 no. It's an Italian Mastiff. It's a Cane Corso. Yeah. Oh. Cane. 
Corso. It's rare. Okay. It's, is it it's just rare. because of their temperaments? Because they well, have the I, ability to just crush bone. Well, I think it's what I've seen is that there's a lot of sort of Americanized Cane Corso that I would not consider to be Italian. Cane Corso. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> uh, Cane Corso. Um, and so when those, I, th- I think there's an Americanized version and and sort of you know the temperament of the of the Italian, right? Okay. And so we're not going to see the temperament of the Italian involved in Fatal Bollies here, um, but there certainly have been. Have you, know, you ever homes- seen mob movies, though? Come on, they, hey, what is going on over here? And then they just, all right, I'll stop. But Colleen, <laughs> Colleen, Colleen, we want to have you back. I, I okay. think we we didn't get to half of the stuff that we wanted to. I know, yeah, and and that's okay. We okay. we have this show. This is a voice for those, like we say, fighting for the voiceless. We right. We want to be able to bring these topics and make them known. So we want to thank you today, and we want to get you back. I want everyone that's listening to check out the, her website, their website, dogsbite.org. Please like, share, rate the podcast. Check out our website, humanemain.com, humanemain.com. Keep it humane, Maine. And don't forget to like, share, and rate the podcast. Bishop, take it away. Let's keep it humane main